Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 20th, 2011. For newcomers, you should look into the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots of video audios for download for free. And remember too, you can also get uh, transcripts or print up of a lot, a lot of the talks, not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, if you want as well. Uh, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu if you want transcripts in other languages. And I always start off by saying that uh, you are the audience, because this is true, that brings me to you, because I don't bring on guests, etc. I don't have shares in different products that are being sold in, in our advertising. So it's up to you to keep me going if you like what you hear on this uh, broadcast. So from the U.S. to Canada, if you go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com, you'll find out how to buy the books and discs I have on, on the site there. And from the U.S., remember, you can still use personal checks to Canada, and you can still use international postal money orders to Canada. And uh, some people just send cash to order, and other ones use PayPal. That's fine. Across the world, people use Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations really are awfully, awfully welcome. But what I try to do, as mentioned all the time, is I chronicle really the events we're going through. I I go back to the past to show you how the big organizations set up this present and even further on into the future. And these are all the changes we're living through. Cultural changes are mainly uh, at, at the head. You must change the culture drastically and keep altering it drastically manage it all the way as we go through the big changes of globalism and into a new post-democratic system, an authoritarian system where most folk are being trained already uh, that you don't really need governments, you just need uh, experts to run you. After all, they're better at it and so on. And all we get now on broadcasts is experts in this and experts in that. And we have been trained already for that. And Bertrand Russell and many others who worked on this global agenda including the cultural changes that would have to be managed by entertainment industry, education, and all media. He talked about that, too, that uh, they'd have to drastically alter the culture. They knew exactly what kind of culture they wanted, and we have it today. They even talked, well, even Aldo Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, the CEO of UNESCO, said that uh, there'd be a big lapse of, of kind of nihilistic culture towards the end where anything goes. Because it knocked down all the old values and moral morality that kept society together. And during that phase, they would use pharma, uh, lots of prescription drugs and so on to keep people going through it and not crack up. And, the, the, and social agencies would, would pull up the slack from all the fallout, the social fallout and, and mayhem that would cause. It was just too bad, but you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. And that's how the big elites see us, basically. We're just a bunch of broken eggshells. And they plan to do away with most of us and keep the better types, the better genes, the ones who are better workers or they're better at specific functions for the new world's order. They'll keep them going and they'll be allowed maybe for a little while to breed before they bring in clones altogether. And they're well on their way to that, of course. 
So it's not fantastic at all. As you say, I, I just chronicle what happens, go back to the past and say, well, this is, look at this book, look at that book, look at the writings of so-and-so, and you'll find that it was planned long ago. Every minute detail of it, it has to be that way, doesn't it? You can't really change a, a system and all cultures in the world into one standardized system without all these big agencies, advertisers, um, the culture creator industry like Hollywood, all being on board with the same system along with education, etc. And uh, they've been so successful, as I say, they even stunned uh, people like Besmanov from the KGB when he came over in the 60s and 70s. He says it had worked beyond their wildest dreams how they'd turned American and, and British values upside down so quickly. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the, the big changes were planned an awful long time ago because the big players and the various groups that work together, and they do work together, they're not independent of each other really at all. They all work, they're special groups in other words, speciality groups, and they all have their functions, but they've been working on this plan to integrate the planets with a new culture society and exactly what kind of culture they wanted to is here already. So they always go on about the introduction of uh, technology is really what changes it. But no, that's part of it, because after all, technology can be used in any amount of ways. And uh, and when they use it particularly towards their agenda, you know it's, it's all part of their big plan. But we know, as I say, even 30, 40 years ago, people like Brzezinski talked about uh, having t- a, a system where everyone could communicate with everyone across the world that be introduced to the public. Uh, so long before the internet was given to us that there's nothing in technology that really is new at all is simply being rolled out now as brand new and anyway this article here is on about how they would bring in this uh, sustainable development now sustainable development was what the, the club of Rome first came out with when they were given the task of finding ways to unite the planet under a necessity and emergency situation. And they were the ones who also hit on the idea of what we'll call it global warming, climate change, uh, famines, and so on. That would hit, that would fit the bill, they said. They were given the task to find something, war, anything, to bring it together. They said that would fit the bill. So they hit on the idea, and that's why they'll stick to it to the grave. They'll never alter it, no matter, as I say, if God himself came down and said it's all wrong. But, uh, Sustainable development is uh, the old communist idea too uh, that they wrote about during the communist era because, believe you me, there are people, lots of people within the United States working with the Soviet Union and across the world too uh, for this very agenda. And sustainability also is one of the problems or the, the worries supposedly of the elites who see, who see there's too many folk using their uh, their, their resources, basically. Those resources have to do their offspring uh, down through another thousand generations. Or so. And here we are chewing it all up and making toys and things, you see. So sustainable development is a technique to rule everyone's lives, right down to the average individual, whether you own a business or not. And that's where carbon taxes come in, etc. All these things, energy taxes, free electricity. This is where all your extra cash is to go under austerity measures. A post-consumerist society, you see. All from the same group, the Club of Rome. 
And, you know, so anyway, here's one of the articles here, which is up at the United Nations, and it's in Fox News, because they're all part and parcel of the same organization. It says the EPA ponders expanded regulatory power in the name of sustainable development. Now, I've mentioned over the years many articles from the bigwigs themselves and give you lots of quotes from them where they said they'd have to dismantle all technology, especially in America, and flatten it all and bury it all and, and to get back to pristine wilderness and all this kind of thing. Uh, from the top characters who run all these wilderness movements and the greening movements and, and all the rest of it. Anyway, uh, as I say, sustainable development is one of the big things. And, of course, Maurice Strong kicked that off, too, at the Earth Summit. Uh, something else, a private organization that makes laws that everyone signs into a treaty, and it all affects all of us. Maurice Strong's got an amazing history, because he, he was picked up by Rockefeller when he was young and shown oil management, oil field management, stuff like that, to give him an idea how things really work, and then kicked up to the, the, the United Nations Head. He's been up there at the World Bank in charge of a whole bunch of things at the United Nations. He was sent over to be one of the first guys to make sure there'd be a free uh, flow of goods from China by the United Nations and Rockefeller. And it turned out when he was in China, I used to visit his aunt's grave, I think it was his aunt's grave, who was one of the confidants and advisors to Mao Zedong. International revolutionaries, generation by generation, by this organized society that runs us all. Anyway, getting back to this article. So they want to change how it analyzes problems, the EPA, and makes decisions in a way that would give vastly expanding power to regulate businesses, right? Communities, your little area you live in, and ecosystems, that's everybody's home and what's around it and watersheds off your roof and all that. In the name of sustainable development, the centerpiece of a, uni- a global United Nations conference slated for Rio de Janeiro. That's Maurice Strong again for the next part of the Rio summit in Agenda 21. Vast population reduction is said in that. Major focus of the EPA thinking is a weighty study the agency commissioned last year from the National Academies of Science. Now, the National Academies of Science is totally a front organization, like everything is a front or even academia is a front organization for the, the mighty boys that run this world. They're big club. Published in August, a study entitled Sustainability and the U.S. EPA cost nearly $700,000 and involved a team of a dozen outside experts and about half as many National Academy staff. Its aim was how to integrate sustainability as one of the key drivers within the regulatory responsibilities of the EPA. The panel who wrote the study declared part of its job to be providing guidance to EPA on how to, it might implement its existing statutory authority. In other words, the government gives it this authority. It's an agency, you see, to contribute more fully to a more sustainable development trajectory for the United States. Or, in other words, how to use existing laws to new ends. There's where they come in with, well, let's reword, let's, let's reinterpret the meaning of this phrase. And, and, and that method you can go on forever doing whatever you want. According to the Academy, sustainability study both incorporates and goes beyond an approach based on assessing and managing the risk proposed by pollutants and has largely shaped environmental policy since the 1980s. So re- already known in the EPA circles as the Green Book and is frequently compared by insiders to the Red Book which is a study on using risk management techniques to guide evaluation of carcinogenic chemicals that the agency touts as the basis of its overall approach to environmental issues for the past 30 years. 
At that time, the Green Book study was commissioned in August 2010. EPA Administrator Lisa Jackson termed it the next phase of environmental protection. You see, they've got all the whole future planned in phases, you see. I was calling them waves last night, but it's really waves and phases. And asserted that it would be fundamental to the future of the EPA. Jackson compared the new approach. It would articulate to the difference between treating disease and pursuing wellness. No wellness, that strange word that they dreamed up for you all. It was, she said, a new opportunity to show how environmentally protective and sustainable we can be and would affect every aspect of EPA's work. You're going to see a massive expansion like a homeland security of EPA workers, wearing the same gear and with the same authority, by the way, coming into your home and all that. So I'll put these links up. There's also a link to Jackson's remark, an audio link, if you want to hear it talking in person. According to the study itself, the adoption of the new sustainability framework will make the EPA more anticipatory in its approach to environmental issues, broaden its focus to include both social and economic as well as environmental pillars. So there's social, economic, and environmental pillars. And strengthen the EPA as an organization and a leader in the nation's progress towards a sustainable future, which means poverty for you. Whatever EPA does with its suggestions, the study emphasizes will be discretionary, but the study urges them to create a new culture amongst all EPA employees. Going back to creating culture, you also create the culture for every organization. Under control systems, you must always indoctrinate the managerial class of each system first before you, you, you go on and indoctrinate the public. So create a new culture amongst all EPA employees and hire an array of new experts, all the level experts, in order to bring its sustainability focus to every corner of the agency and its operations. Changes will move faster as the EPA's intentions and goals and sustainability become clear to employees, the study says. So like robots, they don't have to understand right off the bat. Uh, they gradually get indoctrinated to go along. And so the National Academies and the EPA held a meeting last week in Washington to begin public discussion of the study. And I'll also put a link up for the free, uh, a free link for the, for the study. You can download it yourself. Even as it begins to go public, the EPA, which has come under renewed fire for its recent rulings on new auto emissions standards. Remember, they want to get all cars off the road except under the Agenda 21 plan at the United Nations, except emergency and vital vehicles only. And limits on coal-fueled power plant emissions. They want to shut the last year plants down as they're tripling, quadrupling the price of electricity. Is being determined low-key about the study. Initially questioned about the document by Fox News weeks ago, an EPA spokesman and our public relations spokesman eventually declared, we're currently reviewing the recommendations and have not yet made any decisions on implementation, which of course is a lie, because it's been implemented right now, has been for a while. Spokesman also said the EPA had no current plans for the so-called Rio Plus 20. That's a Rio Plus 20 years, since it's 20 years since the last one with Marie Strong environmental summit next summer that pertains to the Green Book's recommendations. Now, under the Rio 20, that's when all the government sends representatives out to the to the meeting, the Rio meeting, and they all sign a treaty, a binding treaty, and it's put into effect immediately, for those who don't know. Since the UN summit meeting, however, has mentioned the Green Book itself as an instance where sustainability is gaining increasing recognition as a useful framework for addressing otherwise intractable problems. So they give us abstract nonsense in order to rule us, you see. And it's very effective. It has been in the past and it will be again.
And of course it's taught all through school. All the handbooks go out right away to the school children because they must be brainwashed first too. And then they go home and nag their parents. You know, mummy, you left that light on too long. and you know, Turn that water off in the tap and stuff like that. And that's the world that you're brought up in. It's all pre-plans. It was a long time ago. And Maurice Strong knew it would take 20 years or so to have us brainwashed into the present condition we're in. Most are brainwashed in sustainability to some degree or other and the greening of the planet and all that stuff. And too many people through all your nature programs that keep harping on too many people. So you've all had your indoctrination, but the school children have for 20 years. All those who are now 20 have had 20 years of indoctrination. And uh, that's how simply it's done, folks. You know, time is not on my side, like the old stones tribute to Satan said. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're back cutting through the matrix and a couple of months ago I mentioned this article, it's out again, uh, I guess it's an update on it, but it's to do with uh, the Big Bend National Park in Texas uh, and, and the drug wars. It's a bloody drug war and Mexico shows no sign of relenting, neither calls for tighter border security amid rising fears of spillover violence. This hardly seems a time that the U.S. would be willing to allow people to cross the border legally from Mexico without a customs officer in sight. But in this rugged, remote West Texan uh, terrain, where wading across the shallow Rio Grande, undetected is all too easy, federal authorities are touting a proposal to open an unmanned port of entry as a security upgrade. It's always like doublespeak, isn't it? Uh, by the spring, a kiosk could open up the Big Bend National Park, allowing people from the tiny Mexican town of Bocillas, it's called, Del Carmen, to scan their identity documents and talk to a customs officer in another location at least 100 miles away. And so the crossing will be the nation's first such port of entry with Mexico and a sparked opposition from some who see it as a counterintuitive in these days of heightened border security. Supporters say the crossing would give the isolated Mexican town long-awaited access to the U.S. commerce improve conservation efforts, the your conservation, and be an unlikely target for uh, criminal operations. <laughs> the criminals don't miss anything. <laughs> They've got their own intelligence agencies. People that want to be engaged in illegal activities along the border, ones that are engaged in those activities now, they're still going to do it, said William Wellman, Big Ben National Park Superintendent. But you'd have to be a real idiot to pick the only place with security in 300 miles of the border to try to sneak across. Well, the little drugs aren't snuck across anyway. They're flown in by the CIA, always have been. And the big battles in Mexico are actually CIA-backed right now. They're putting troops down there. In fact, they're bringing up Mexican guys, training them, and saying, well, the old, the old stuff, they had the, the, they had the um, School of the Americas. Been, America's been training these guys for, for years and years, and doing the same thing again. And they're sending hundreds of them back down there as mercenaries and assassins. That was in the papers a while back. I read it on the air here. And uh, what they're doing is eliminating all the competition from their favorite sponsored, you know, drug guys. That's really what it is. That's all things that really always are, is economics and power. You know, again, you've got to uh, become a monopoly and you've got to basically monopolize everything. You corner the market for yourselves. That's how... Those in the know who, who own everything in the world have always done it. 
And this article here, too, is from the Sovereign Independent. It's to do with uh, the, the matriarchal and the patriarchal family. The patriarchal family was destroyed a long time ago as the BBC and education uh, went, went all out to blame the guy for everything that's happened since the Stone Age. And at the same time, they were giving women affirmative action and all the talk shows were telling them, oh, go on, just do whatever you want, get as many men as you want, and yeah, yeah, the state will take care of you. And so it became a matriarchal society, and Dad was just a joke on a comedy show. That's, and the children saw it as that too. Again, it was all planned again for the, the destruction of the family unit, according to the Communist Manifesto, which was funded by the big bankers. So, according to the UK's Daily Mail today, the tide has turned for the fairer sex in terms of unemployment. Female unemployment in the UK is now at its highest level in 23 years, and that's only the women who claim benefits or who are eligible to claim benefits. The real figure is no doubt much higher, as is the case for male unemployment. So they're going after the, the, the matriarchal society now, not all those in welfare too, that have got all children with different fathers. The reason for the rise is not given, of course, although there is more than enough anti-Cameron Clegg rhetoric to show in the mass, to mask the real reasons for rises across all sectors of society, male, female, and in the ever-increasingly politically correct twilight zone that Britain has become. And it surely is. It surely is a twilight zone now of what is real, what is Britain. Ooh, so it's weird. However, for those who think this has all just come about as an inevitable result of the current double-dip recession, or as it really should be called, depression, and that's what it is. It's a depression. Let me break the bad news to you. It's all part of the plan for control on an individual person in the country, every individual, because, you see, the family has already been taken apart. It's divorced. It's, it's, ramp, it's rampant. Promiscuity is the new normal. goes through all the movies and stuff that you watch. And not just for the adult population, but for children who are continually and openly being sexualized from a very early age with pole dancing classes in their schools being given to girls as young as three years old and now accepted by women who think this is all part of being a progressive or liberal mother because these liberal mothers never had a stable partner uh, and that's called, you know, liberation. Even if you believe that the male is exaggerating the story in terms of the age of these children and I've seen on the reports that state anywhere between three to twelve years old, that's not the point, they're still children. You may be wondering what this has got to do with high unemployment amongst women. Well, if we go back to the reasons behind the feminist movements of the past, women have been progressively used, at least since the, the, their use is as replacement workers during World War II. And that's true. Of, if you look at the old propaganda stuff to get women into the factories and, and make the bombs and make the aircraft and all the rest of it, and, and they even tailor-made the, the outfits for the ones who would appear on PATH News that they showed in the cinemas uh, to get them all in, make them look kind of sexy. Uh, that's when they really started it. To promote the, and by the way, those before, the big players, H.G. Wells and others, Russell, they said this would help to get women into the workforce and they'd be very reluctant to go back to family life afterwards. They would promote this forever. And it doubled the tax base too. To promote the interests of women ahead of men under a planned program of pseudo-equality between the sexes. This has resulted in what has become known as positive discrimination to the extent that, and I know many women who will object to the statement, women have been put into highly paid employment whether they're qualified for such positions or not. And before the wild women of the feminist movement have a go at me, the same applies to men in times gone by and indeed today. And it's true. You know, that was a, it was priority hiring. Your woman... If you're a particular type of woman, it's even better. One who likes her own kind. Back with him more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix. Going through an article uh, that's it's kind of quick. It's, it's, it's not a long article, really. Um, but there's a few facts in it that happened. But the facts are pertinent because that was all part of the communist movement at the time, uh, by, by the bankers and the educational system and government, of course, that ran it all too. But so they wanted to destroy the, the male in charge of a family, and that, that was very successful. And then they said that they would make it possible for all women to go to work by priority hiring, and they did. And put them in trades and everything, although very few ever stuck in trades because of the heavy, heavy work, you know, welding and stuff like that. But anyway, they gave them all this extra cash, and and, uh, and then they started building uh, single-parent homes, uh, single-child homes and one parent. And from the early 70s on, that was agenda because they didn't plan to bring back the uh, men in their lives, basically, for any length of time. And it also goes back to 1920s, let's say, with H.G. Wells working for the Fabian Society that was in direct communication with the Kremlin at that time and for many years after. Um, talked about uh, putting the workforce with another war. He said, we need another war to get the nations to give up their sovereignty. But he says, well, get all the women in the workplace too, and their temptations would be so much, there'd be so many affairs, that they either would never get married or their margins would break up. That had to be done. It was a priority thing to happen. So this article says, women in the office also put temptation in the way of both sexes in terms of extramarital affairs, etc., which was, of course, widely popularized by television and the swath of female magazines pushing women's sexuality and independence as another new normal to the extent that many women in their 40s now have no children or long-term partner or husband, with many now regretting that drive for a career at the expense of a family, which was the old normal. But not to worry, because these psychiatry agencies and so on have taken up the slack. That's what they also said back in the 20s, that the eight government agencies, they would pay for all the treatments to keep them working and so on, because they'd have a mental breakdown otherwise. Anyway, it says here, they have no one to stand up for them in the absence of a male in their lives and still feel they're financially secure enough to cope with any eventuality that comes their way, along with Big Pharma. Well, not anymore, ladies. You've been duped, it says. All those incentives given to you by previous governments to get you all doing this stuff in the way of tax credits and the full benefits of the legal system in terms of divorce settlements are over. The family has almost been destroyed, and the next stage is to destroy the link between a woman and her children in much the same way as has been achieved in, and I would imagine are the majority of cases, the relationships between men and their children, which has been done under the guise of law and the financial penalties imposed on men where they could afford maintenance payments or not. Massive disasters. She says, I know from personal experience that if a man is a single parent, then it's next to impossible to receive maintenance from an ex-female partner. I never received a single penny for the 14 years I should have been entitled to it. Do you think a man would get away with that? Well, of course they don't. The time has come for women to be taken down financially in the same way as men have. This will be done, I'm sure, primarily by the gradual or rapid withdrawal of tax credits given to single female parents who work. This can be, in many cases, several hundred pounds every month. I wonder how many career women rely on such taxes and credits to maintain a standard of living they become accustomed to or even pay their mortgages. And it goes on and on a little bit too. But it's true, you see, all these social services they rushed in to take, and that's what the, the, Lenin said it too, and so did Stalin. 
that government agencies uh, would, would eventually become authorities and they would step in and look after women and children. All the things that families used to do in extended families would be done by government. So and now it's time it's been achieved, so just knock out the money from underneath the mothers and because you've done your job, that's it. <laughs> it's basically that's it, it's over. And there's another article here too about the agencies and government. Social workers sex up abuse claims, meaning they, they, they fudge it all to snatch children for adoption. Big big money in it, you know. Social workers are regularly sexing up dossiers on problem parents to remove children into care and even to farm them out for adoption, a whistleblower reveals today. It's happening in the States, Britain, elsewhere, everywhere. The experienced social worker told that Sunday Express investigative uh, that council managers are frequently putting pressure on him and colleagues to rewrite reports considered too positive. In other words, they've got good parents. They're demanding more dirt on mothers and fathers to increase the chances of securing court orders that place their children in care, which boosts council Ofsted ratings. They also get cash for it, too. The whistleblower said that the worry of having another baby pee on authorities' hands had created a climate of fear that was destroying innocent families. The findings were last night described as a national scandal, but one MP is now demanding a full parliamentary inquiry into Britain's child protection system. So Orwellian child protection system, and they're, they're, they're fudging their documents on good families just to snatch their children out, out for adoption and get cash for everyone that they do it to. But it's just a racket. But it's, it's more than that too. You see, I know the types of people they hire in, in these social agencies for the families, and many of them have a particular sexual persuasion, and they don't like men too much. And that, they're the majority, actually. They're the majority. So you see how they go along with it. Every guy's bad. Oh, is he is he holding his child up or is he molesting her? I'm not not kidding you. Not kidding. That's how they work. Anyway. The whistleblower said the behaviour of social workers has been dramatically and needlessly changed since the, the details over the 2000 death of baby Peter Connolly in Harringay, uh, North London, emerged three years ago. He said there's now a new culture of fear in which the buck of responsibility is continuously passed up the managerial chain. But that's what, as I say, they wanted all these agencies to take over from the family, etc. And they, would, the government would be the new family boss. And that's all been there for a long time now. Most of it will link up to Psychopathic Economics 101, that's called. It's not a bad article. It says, Psychopaths flew financial weapons of mass destruction called derivatives into the twin towers of our economy, the housing market and the stock market. Ten trillion dollars of wealth evaporated. Ninety-nine percent of the economic experts, financial planners, economists, economic professors, Brokers and investors missed the largest bubble in history as well as the systemic risk that the bubble posed. The National Board of Economic Research, who's responsible for declaring a recession, was nine months late calling the worst recession since the Great Depression. And it goes on about how economics got hijacked. So I advocate that the largest story here isn't derivatives or the financial crisis of 2008, but instead how economics has been secretly hijacked. When I began researching the book and writing, I had a premise uh, a corporocracy, it was called, call it, had replaced capitalism. That's true, but I realized the more important underlying fundamental was how corporatocracy came about. It grew out of soulless corporations being given human status, and that's true in law. Even though their sole purpose was creating wealth for the shareholders, corporations themselves became uncaring individuals, many of them run by uncaring individuals, psychopaths to be blunt. 
Now, I started off the psychopathic uh, labeling of this years ago, and I'm glad it's, it's taken up because they are psychopaths. No one was talking about this before. Research I concluded revealed why and how psychopaths captured economics, how this catastrophe was missed, and what their ramifications will be. For more in corporocracy, read, it says, why we are totally finished. <laughs> there is also a super documentary called The Corporation, and it gives the link to uh, his, the website, uh, Psychopathic Economics. And he says, psychopaths aren't limited to seemingly nice people who invite you over for dinner, then cut you into pieces and serve your fresh innards on a plate. They only do that on that Holland TV show. The World Health Organization has a personality diagnostic checklist that is used in conjunction with this work. You'll recognize it by the check marks. Psychopaths use the following five weapons to take control of global economy. Political economic capture. Well, we all know who they are. We see them all the time. A scholarly economic capture, we see them too all the time. You know, these experts from academia. Statistical economic capture. Oh, they don't have departments of statistics for everything. And there's, uh, I think it was uh, Theo Roosevelt said, he says there are lies, damn lies, and then there are statistics. I mean, you can't argue with science. In other words, that's the corner of it. It's not science at all. Mainstream media economic capture. Well, they own all. Regulatory economic capture. All but one of these regulatory economic captures are new terms that have defined it says. So I'll put this up tonight for those who want to have a peruse and see more about it. And so much is, really so much is going on. It's just incredible um, what's rampaging ahead all the time. Um, two articles here on Her Majesty's, and it is Her Majesty. She's still the queen of all these Dominions, they call it the Commonwealth of Nations, but these are still called Dominions uh, in the British Crown. And big firms are let off £25 billion in in taxes as families are chased for every penny under austerity rules. Chasing families for the pennies and the corporate giants dodge their massive bills. And it goes on through lists of it. Britain's biggest firms owe the taxmen up to 25.5 billion, but are regularly let off the hook, MPs say today. That's because they're too important. And, and, uh, you know, they give freebies to the lawyers that are given them by the HM government. They have their own tax lawyers. And these tax lawyers are bought off all the time. It says the sum is equivalent to £1,000 for every British family or the equivalent of 6p being cut from the basic rate of income tax. But meanwhile, they're hounding the small guys, the taxpayers, for every penny that they're behind. And into austerity they go. But nothing's new about that, really, is it? Nothing's really new. And I see there's two articles on that. And then in the US is two, and I'm sorry, in Australia... You've got low-income households are now struggling. Uh, their work, the houses are, uh, are $12 a week worse off than they were a year ago and are struggling to keep up pace with increases in housing and utility costs. They're skyrocketing electricity over there too. A report by the Western Australian Council for Social Service Fines. And, of course, they've got all these carbon taxes and stuff getting really rammed in there by that strange woman who wasn't always... Happy about men, put it that way. If you read her student report and see what she did and who she lived with, it's quite a little story. But I won't go into it in here. But uh, uh, I'm not surprised that's who they picked to push all this stuff through, the ones with the chips on their shoulder. And a paedophile in, in, in Queensland, Australia, is a health job as, as, uh, as more failed checks on public servants revealed. Uh, they're trying to cover the ass of this character 
who's a, a convicted pedophile. Uh, Queensland Health says it has no problem with a convicted pedophile heading up a unit that helps Queensland's most vulnerable children. That's where we are today, folks. See, eventually pedophilia won't exist in the dictionary because it's been pushed by NAMBLA and all these guys and they're giving it new terms like intergenerational sex or love. They love them. Yeah, and all that, you know. Also, people tonight, uh, and, uh, to show you how the culture industry is always doing little step forward, always through comedy to start with and then followed very quickly by regular movies. Uh, this one is called A Good Old Fashioned Orgy. It's for the children. I'll put that link up for you to have a look at. It's, uh, with the vocabulary in the trailer, it's meant for 12-year-olds. No kidding. It's, but it's supposed to be R-rated. But they'll want to see it, of course. And then they'll have tee-tee-hee-hee-hee. Stuff will go on. Now, U.S. citizens can call a uh, uh, videotape any police now because of First Amendment rights. Uh, and that was from the, the uh, uh, court case that came out. The Federal Appeals Court has ruled that video recording the police in a public place is a constitutional right for all U.S. citizens. It's a great win for the freedom movement. Public officials need to be held accountable for their actions. And it shows the, the ruling below and how they won it. So... Let's see if they stick to it or put some other amendment in and change it again. I've also mentioned about the Dutch laboratory in a university. Of all places, that's not a, a, you know, a high security place to create killer diseases. But they do this all the time, actually. Uh, so they create a, do an ordinary flu and they said, so I wonder how we get into a killer flu. What stages would we go through? So they added genes to it and so on in five stages and, and made it a massive killer. Uh, and no doubt it was grabbed already by uh, the authorities, the military establishments, uh, and put in with other arsenal of things that kill us. So a deadly strain of bird flu with the potential to infect and kill millions of people has been created in a laboratory by European scientists and now want to publish full details of how they did it. They probably want Nobel Prizes or something. Even though all these Nobel Prizes were all mass murderers in some way or another, have you looked at their histories? Even the guy who put down the money for that. He invented high explosives, you see, just in time for World War One. But um, I've mentioned this article before, as I say, and this is an update to it. And uh, it says, Discovery has prompted fears within the U.S. government that the knowledge will fall into the hands of terrorists waiting to use it, wanting to use it as a bioweapon of mass destruction. So that's what the government grabs at first. You know. Some scientists questioning whether research should ever have been undertaken in a university laboratory instead of at a military Facility. I can remember years ago, uh, a woman went home from, I think it was Manchester Hospital, and uh, she'd come back into work, and they found her dead. Uh, along, her parents were already dead, and uh, they'd all come down with smallpox, and it was weaponized smallpox, because the British establishment at that time not only had portent downs to create all these nasty killers, but they, they were making killing stuff. In, by using the National Health Service. Use, why, why waste them? They've got laboratories there. We can make this stuff there. And they closed down all, a good part of the streets all around that hospital. Had to go around testing everybody and everything else because at one point she dropped some vial which smashed on the floor and she took it home to her parents. And when she came back, I guess, pretty sick at the time, her parents were already dead and then she died. And that happens all the time. As I say, why waste hospitals when they've got laboratories? You know, our guys are, they, they believe in austerity indeed. You know, why, why spend more money on building yet another lab? But, um, as I say, this, this stuff, there's so much, there's, there's just so much going on 
in the world, even to do with the European Union, uh, because the new central bank has come up with its own new agreement, which they drafted up, which is a binding treaty that every country has got to pay uh, whatever they demand from it, at any time they demand from it, uh, and they're given seven days to get the cash there or they get massive fines by court of law and, and power of law. Uh, and it's just like reading one of these programs on, on the internet that you download, you know, you give up your firstborn, you give up that, you know, and we have no responsibility, you have all the responsibility, yada, yada, yada. It's just like that, it's written out, I'll put that up tonight as well, and you can have a good deco at that, because uh, it just shows you how these big central bankers work it. This is putting the central bank at the top of, the, of power in the whole of Europe. And they can now take cash from every country. We want another 70 billion or give us 700 billion from you and and you, you have no comeback, you have no recourse, you've got to pay up or get a massive fine. And I guess they send the, the, the military police in or something to, to bash your heads, and if you don't pay up, I don't know how they're going to manage it. I don't know how they're going to manage it. So, we're living in an awful, awful system, an awful world, and um, it's just getting worse, because it's planned to get worse as we go into this chaos and if you've noticed, they've built up internal police armies across the world for the last 30 years and, and massively expanded it since 9-11 under the guise of fighting terrorism. And uh, they're going to use them. Massive arsenals they have now. Tremendous arsenals to turn on the general public. It's something else. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and we'll go to the callers and there's Khalid from Cincinnati hanging on the line. Are you there, Khalid? Uh, good evening, Mr. Watt. Uh, yeah. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, same here. Just hanging in there as much as you can. Um, I realize you only have about nine more minutes left, so I'll try to uh, keep my comments short. First, I, I would like to thank you um, very much. I certainly benefited from your show uh, a great deal, um, and uh, I would encourage others out there to send you a donation. I've um, donated in the past, and I do intend to purchase um, your book, uh, Waiting for the Miracle, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, I, a friend turned me on to you because uh, some of my interests overlap, and listening to you throughout the years, I you know, discovered it. A good deal of the research myself and other friends of mine and other concerned people have done, a lot of what you've put out there uh, resonates. And I may not agree with um, all of your conclusions, but I can say to the audience that uh, your recommendations as far as reading materials, books, uh, things to look out, uh, they're completely spot on. And um, I, um, I myself, I am a Muslim, um, both by birth and also choice, but throughout my life I've experimented, I've looked into different uh, thought patterns, different uh, religions, traditions, ways of thoughts. I've explored the occult. Um, I've looked into Freemasonry. I've looked into Rosh and I've done a good deal of truth-seeking uh, throughout my life. 
And um, I do believe that uh, your discourse, your narrative, uh, essentially that we are, in effect, essentially farmed, if you would, um, and that we are living our lives in this civilization uh, ostensibly on one level, um, but on the actual esoteric level, on the inward level, we are obeying other people's agendas and essentially living as serfs, as yeah. slaves, if you will. Um, I do believe that to be accurate, and I do not believe it to be hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Um, since I don't have much time, I, I would like to throw out a, a, a couple of things. I've found, uh, I'm not sure if you've come across a, a Russian immigrant uh, named Antonai Litsin, if I believe I'm yeah. pronouncing his name right. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I found that uh, his writings, his books, New Eyes for Old and The Perestroika of Deception, uh, do support your thesis uh, regarding uh, a, a larger encompassing sort of third party, if you would, beyond the uh, diametric oppositions of East-West capitalism, uh, standard Soviet communism, uh, he argued that, just on the level that he was exposed to, that there is a larger uh, sort of global revolution afoot that will lead to a, a, a Welt October, uh, sort of a, a, a global October revolution, and that the fall of the Soviet Union was uh, just a sham. Now, that book, his writings were recommended to me 15 years ago. At the time, I dismissed a good deal of it, um, but seeing what's going on around us now, um, I do believe that on some level he was accurate. And um, something that I think might be of interest, one of your themes is uh, historically, none of this is, is really new. We're repeating historical patterns over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a bit of a history buff, uh, that's something I've certainly found to be true. Uh, one example is false flag terrorism, yeah. um, used as a pretext, of course, for intervention in the Middle East. Um, I'm not sure if you've come across this book, but it's by, surprisingly enough, an Oxford historian and a British aristocrat named Sir Godfrey Fisher. Mm-hmm. It's called Barbary Legend. And uh, essentially, it's about the war in the Mediterranean in the late Renaissance, early modern Europe, and the reign of Victoria, uh, not Victoria, uh, Elizabeth, and the Tudor reign, uh, the rise of the Habsburgs on one level, and the uh, rise of the Spanish unified um, kingdom. I I hear the background music, but it seems that many of the patterns being repeated today were also repeated back then, and if you haven't encountered that book, I think you might find it very interesting reading. Yes, I think I have it here in the back room, yeah. I think I have that. It's a good book. But it's interesting, too, that the U.S., the first battle they had with other countries after their Revolutionary War, they sent ships over to uh, the Gulf, by the way, supposed to stop uh, pirates from raiding some of their ships. They wanted to get footholds in uh, the so-called Holy Land back then. So there was other causes behind it and powers of course. And they've never stopped doing that since today. But you're quite right. But, but uh, thanks for calling and take care. And Aaron and Stephen, maybe you can call tomorrow so I can get around to you. This hour flies by. From Haitian Sale from Interior Canada, it's good night. May your God or your God school with you. <laughs>